Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. It's almost June 1st, which strangely means, I can't believe I'm saying this, it could be a big week for the NFL. I, I remember when it felt like the NFL was just done between uh, the draft and the beginning of training camp, but that's not the case anymore, as June 1st is a big day for salary cap ramifications, which means we might see this week, according to some reports, a new home for Julio Jones. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, the ESPN app, and of course, your smart speakers. You just got to say, play Greeny. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Jason Fitz, Mike Golick Jr. sitting in for Greeny today. All of our guests appear on the Goodyear hotline. Everybody's trying to figure out a way to get this deal done, especially Atlanta, by the way, for the ones who get it done. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call click or clickgranger.com or just stop by, however you want to do it, Granger, for the ones who get it done. Mike, do you think anything gets done realistically this week with Julio Jones? Uh, I wouldn't bet on this week, and I know we've seen reports from our great ESPN NFL reporter Diana Rossini that we could see something as early as this week, but I think we'll finally get the ball rolling in that direction, Jason. This is a big time here. I always tell the story that this June 1st cap date got really introduced to me in the summer of 2014. I was with the New Orleans Saints, and John Goodwin, who at the time was the center for the San Francisco 49ers, had gotten released there, and I was a you know young, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, second-year guy trying to come in and make a roster spot with the New Orleans Saints, and after that June 1st cap date that I was not aware of at that point, the Saints signed John Goodwin, and I got the call that I was getting cut holding a bag of Subway sandwich in an elevator at the airport Marriott, right? there in uh, Louisiana. So that was a good time in the day I learned that on June 1st, you have different financial implications that can allow you to sign some very important veterans. Dear God, that's a, that's that's such a sad, like, if we were in the same room, I would give you such a hug right now. Like It's, it's like one of those things that ends up being funnier now, because I literally was, I had just gotten my Subway sandwich, I got in the elevator, and you know how elevators don't have cell service, and so I got up to the top, and I saw a message when I got out of the elevator from a Louisiana area code. And I knew if you're getting a call in the middle of the day after I had already been over to the facility to work out, it's probably not for a good reason. And so I listened to the message. And I was like, well, I'm going to eat the sandwich first, and then I'll get in the van with the guy that's coming over from the facility. Wow. What, sa- what kind of sandwich was it? It was Subway, but do you know what was on it? Uh, it was. Pr- if I had to guess about me at that point in time, that was probably a chicken bacon ranch kind of deal. Oh, that sounds delightful, actually. I, I got a lot of respect for that, Mike. I, uh, I didn't know this, so now I know never to order a chicken bacon ranch Subway for you and just bring it over as a friend. Like I don't want to trigger. I don't want to trigger memories. Uh, but obviously, big time for Julio and whether or not they can get a deal done. All eyes are going to be on what the value is, and and value is such a weird conversation because. A year ago, that value would have been much higher than it is today. Julio Jones coming off of a season where his production was a little limited due to injury. He is, is battled some. He is not a spring chicken in the eyes of some. But, Mike, it's like we're just forgetting the six or seven years before that last year where it was absolutely incredible. And even last year, 50-ish catches, almost 800 yards. Uh, that's not a season to, st- to shake a stick at. I mean, uh, there is some conversation around Julio that I feel like has made it sound like he's you know at the very end of his career and can no longer contribute. I don't think that's fair to the player. Yeah, no, I think we very much overstate the injury implications with Julio Jones, and we act like there's not a ton of upside that's worth a fair amount of risk. Like, I'm glad that, and Diana Rossini tweeted this last week after we had heard so much about value. 
that they were fielding offers for a first-round pick, and I think that's a more than fair price, especially for the teams that we're talking about here. Like when we say who's in the market for Julio Jones, it's contenders with cap space, right? Like, yeah, you're going to have to eat a fair amount of contract. But I, I keep going back to this. I know Mina Kimes, our great ESPN NFL analyst, has brought this up before. But, like, why are the Colts not talked about more in all of this? Like, you got to make it work with a quarterback that's a reclamation project. You've had plenty of cap space for years now under Ballard and this organization. And I don't care who you've brought in there. Like, a Julio Jones-sized need at wide receiver in an offense that's got a lot of other things going for it. I feel like that should be a place that is very much actively involved in pursuing Julio this week. I had the chance to hang out with my buddy Jared Stillman on ESPN 1025 The Game in Nashville the other day, and he asked me about it. Uh, if I'm the Titans, I'm, I'm all in. Like, If you're a team that believes you're going to be picking at the bottom of the first round, who the hell cares about giving up a first-round pick in this conversation? Like, What did the Titans get out of their first-round pick last year in Isaiah Wilson? Absolutely nothing. He's not even in the NFL anymore. And in fact, this year, with their first-round pick, they took Caleb Farley, uh, the corner that we all hope is going to be spectacular, but also is coming off of his own injury issues. Like, uh, The bottom of the first round is not... You're not talking about Trevor Lawrence. Whoever you're picking at that point, there's going to be some roll of the dice. If I can make my offense better, I don't care if I have to shift some money around. I don't care if I have to rework some deals. I don't care if I have to play with the monopoly money that is NFL salary caps. Like, salary cap is used as an excuse to not sign somebody or to not re-sign somebody when you simply don't want to. If you want to figure it out, you can figure it out 99% of the time. I don't understand why any team that believes they have a real shot at the Super Bowl doesn't look at it and say, well, hell, I can try and win a Super Bowl right now, and if it costs me a pick in the 20s, it's worth it all day, every day, and twice on Sundays. So the folks down in Nashville aren't worried because I know A.J. Brown's deal's coming up. You're going to have to give him big-time wide receiver money there for what he's done, and I know there's some thought that, yeah, we, we do treat the cap as a fantasy, and I'm with you in like 99% of that, but you're getting ready to shell out a lot of money for him on the bright young wide receiver side. and so I just. But you're right, as far as a team that would need him that feels like it's in that window, despite the fact that Tennessee plays next to no defense, offensively, you're going into the post-Arthur Smith era, right? Like, as much as the Ryan Tannehill story has been great, I don't know what he looks like outside of the confines of that offense, and it probably won't change much. They promote it from within. It'll be run-heavy with a lot of play-action stuff, but there's still some trepidation, I think, of wandering into this year now for the first time with Ryan Tannehill and Arthur Smith not manning the helm of that offense. Well, and, and you're absolutely right. The salary cap situation isn't easy in Tennessee, and they, they are going to have to shell out some money. But they also have a, a relatively new deal with Tannehill that they can start to shift some money around in if they need to. And that's what I, when I say funny money, like you can find a way to maneuver. Uh, realistically, anybody that signs Julio Jones is looking at it as a two year deal, right? According to Over the Cap. Uh, right now going into this season his cap hit number is huge his cap hit number next year would still be pretty substantial 19 million which is a lot and then there's an out after that you know that, that won't cost him a ton of money so that's where I think you know, if you can sort of play with some of those contracts figure out a way to to spread some of it out over the next couple of years you can figure out a way and it's same same argument I make Mike with Seattle like there's just so many teams right now if you're in the Super Bowl window I care less about your future more about your present so go out and make your team better because if you're talking about especially a Julio Jones 
that's going to be matched up against the second best corner in some of these offenses. Like if he's going to be a number two wide receiver for somebody, that just feels like a mismatch to me all day long. It just, I, I will again say to I'm blue in the face. I think the Colts make the most sense here. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson needs more help up front. Like we know, mm, I don't think call. the weapons, the weapons in that offense, I don't think are going to be the problem. I think with Baltimore, it's a team that's in a more interesting spot, but you said you're looking at a two year bet here. What are the Indianapolis Colts, but if not a yearly, all right, we're going to bet on whatever's playing quarterback for us. We're going to see if this works out with Carson Wentz. And if not, they're probably going to wash their hands of him in two years. And so it just feels like timeline-wise, money-wise, need-wise, where you're set on all these other spots, the Colts are, to me, going to continue to make an overwhelming amount of sense here. Especially in a winnable division. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer. Changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get yourself a custom quote, save both time and money. Who doesn't want to do that you can learn more at progressive.com all right athletes don't always want to talk to the media and we're used to that in certain sports but now we're getting one prominent female that has stepped out and said to the tennis world i won't talk and the question is what's the long-term ramification to that we'll discuss it next greenie mike golick jr jason fitz sitting in for mike greenberg on espn radio and espn plus listen to Keyshawn, j will and zubin at home just tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Now playing ESPN Radio. You're the leader of the team as a quarterback, and the questions are going to come out. How much do you love football? More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin tomorrow starting at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, and on the ESPN app. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, the ESPN app, your smart speaker, presented by Progressive Insurance. Mike Golick Jr., Jason Fitz, sitting in for Greeny. Condolences to the family and fans of B.J. Thomas, the singer of Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Passed away at the age of 78, Mike. So, I, uh, you know, a little, little homage to some of his music there. 
Yeah, I can say a, a super sad day. The original singer of Hooked on a Feeling, which for anyone who has ever listened to my dad at any point in time, you have probably heard him sing that loudly and publicly. So uh, certainly a, a, a somber one there, a, a sad one there. And like you said, thoughts and prayers, condolences to the, the family and friends of someone who gave us a lot of great things to listen to. Mike Golick Jr., Jason Fitz, sitting in for Greeny today. And one of the big stories over the course of the weekend, obviously a lot of attention on Naomi Osaka. And uh, for anyone that hadn't seen it, Naomi said uh, before she started uh, her weekend uh, that she wasn't going to do any press uh, for the French Open or other uh, Grand Slams. So she went through her first round matchup uh, on Sunday and she won the match and then didn't make herself available. Uh, Now, this was something, again, she said because of mental health for athletes, she didn't want to uh, put herself in that situation so she wouldn't be speaking to the media. As a result, the 23-year-old has been fined $15,000. And there was a joint statement put out by the French Open, U.S. Open, Australian Open, and Wimbledon announcing that she could face harsher discipline for further refusal to speak with the press, including possibly being kicked out of the French Open. She has responded on Twitter saying, quote, anger is a lack of understanding. Change makes people uncomfortable. So we've talked a lot about the Marshawn Lynch's of the world, Mike, but also just about athletes in general. And part of the job is sitting at a podium afterwards. So uh, now we have an individual athlete in an individual sport saying no to that. This is an interesting moment because you've got to feel like the rest of the tennis community is looking at it saying, okay, what is the repercussion? Because it will impact whether or not I choose to do this in the future. Yeah, it's interesting because part of the statement said, quote, we want to underline that rules are in place to ensure all players are treated exactly the same, no matter their stature, beliefs, or achievement. Like, all right, that sounds cute in a statement, but none of us actually believe that in sports, right? (laughs) Like, I, like, what a laughable concept. And like, anyone who's ever put on a uniform will tell you that, yeah, we expect to be treated fairly, but fair doesn't mean the same. And we understand that not everyone means as much to the sport as Naomi Osaka. So, I, I, like, it sounds good. It, I'll be actually interested to see, Jason, if tennis would follow through on this because this would be, in my mind, the definition of cutting off your nose despite your face because you really want a tournament without her in it at this point. Someone who's a massive draw for you here now – I don't know maybe worldwide what that looks like, but I know for American viewers of tennis, she is a huge reason why people are tuning in and watching. So it would almost be in a bizarre way impressive if tennis actually followed through enough and was, in my mind, this short-sighted to go ahead and try and potentially throw her out of a tournament rather than have one of the best players in the world involved. Well, and it becomes a difficult conversation a more difficult conversation than other sports to me simply because I constantly and you know this at working with me I constantly go back to like the phrase well you collectively bargained it and that's just the reality of sports unions right like so there's this moment where uh, what you love and what you hate doesn't really matter to me when everybody involved in the process has a collective bargained agreement between everybody from you know a quick search through it there isn't a collective bargaining process for professional tennis players there is an association of tennis players but the ATP represents both the venues the promoters and the athletes so there isn't any collective bargaining opportunity for players to come in and say well this is what we are or aren't comfortable with so it's it's a weirder spot for me to figure out how to feel about about it simply because they didn't sit down as a group and negotiate what they're okay with. But at the same time, if the French Open says, well, you don't have to speak, where does that end if they go up and down the list? Well, it ends with other players recognizing that they're not her. 
<laughs> like, I, 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 I guess that's my... <laughs> you're not that's wrong. My, I mean, well, not. That's my part in all this is, like, I hear people saying, well, this is going to be precedent for other people. Like, yeah, other people who are Naomi Osaka. Like, my favorite part of every offseason and every year in the NFL calendar is when we get to the combine and the really good players who decide, hey, I'm so good, I don't have to go to the Senior Bowl. Or I'm so good, I don't have to run a 40 at the combine or do drills at my pro day because you know I got it like that. Like, my favorite thing is to watch players who know I am balling so I don't have to play by your rules. And that's essentially what Naomi's doing here. So if anyone else thinks this is a precedent for them, I hope they have enough sense of self and are honest enough about where they're at to recognize that not everyone could or should be able to get away with this. And that's, again, that is sports. Like, you want to talk about a meritocracy, that is an earned status. That is not one that's handed out to everybody with a racket. I mean, that's life, too, right? Like, this is the yeah. most the most first-world thing here. But, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when game day was traveling – and it was funny. I was traveling with the whole game day group. The number of times that I would walk through first class where all of my buddies that were working on the show were sitting as I went back to my middle seat and coach. And, like, you just realized at some point that, like, you're earning it. You're at a different spot, right? Like, you're, you're, it's a first world. I would never complain about that in general. But, like, that is a realism. Or even when you're out on tour with the band and, like, yeah, guess what? The people whose face on the record, they get treated better. Like, they get jerseys at things and everybody else doesn't. Like, they get the better catering and everybody else doesn't. Like there's just a reality to platform equals opportunity and you get different sets of rules in life, whether it's the top widget maker gets better treatment than the lower widget maker on the totem pole or whether you're a tennis star. You you do make a good point, Mike. We just saw this happen with LeBron James and the NBA's COVID-19 protocols. Like we all knew he wasn't missing any time. And I understand they gave all these legitimate reasons with the way that was digested. Now, to me, the more interesting part of this is what you brought up here as well. Things are collectively bargained. Well, this is the way it's always been which I always point out is a terrible justification for doing anything. And I think what Naomi brings up here is how much are we getting out of these settings? They were about promoting sports, building brands. That's why we've seen some sports probably get to a point where it's less beneficial for them overall because the athletes have become such big household names or such big brands. Is tennis at that spot? I don't know. But Naomi seems like she's at that spot. And so maybe it's worth examining, all right, how much are we getting out of this format of player access to the media? And is there a better way to do it that serves both the players and the fans? Because I've heard from a bunch of people, a bunch of fans, saying they don't give a damn if players talk in a post-game press conference or anything like that. And so if it's not serving the fans in the way that we think it is, and the players are telling us, hey, this isn't something that serves me well anymore, maybe it's incumbent on us as a part of this process to look at it and say, is there a better way of doing it? I don't have that ready answer, but I think it's an interesting conversation worth having in a time where we're looking at the changing athlete right now. We see it all the time in college sports, Jason, and we tell college coaches and college programs, hey, you've got to adjust right now. Why are we any different in the media? Why are we exempt from that? I don't think we should be. I guess my only pushback to that would be oftentimes those post-game press conferences create conversation, right? So maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't, you know, but, but at some point answering for what happened and why it happened is a big part of why we talk about things the next day. So if you take away the need for anybody to talk, you also take away one of the talking points for the event that's happening. It seems like that would lessen, like, you, you may not, if you put out a record, you may not want to do press. That's fine. But if you don't do the press, are but people talking I'm, about your I'm not, music? I'm not saying you don't do the press, but I'm saying what if you change the way it looks? What if you change the way that it's formatted to make it something that's more amenable to the players involved? I'm not saying do away with it entirely necessarily because, again, 
I understand the leagues need that promotion in certain ways and that the media has an important role in making sure it's not just all player propaganda that goes out here. But I'm just wondering if we can't examine the format. Yeah, well, we, we probably we will. This will force that for sure. It's Greeny, Mike Golick Jr., Jason Fitz sitting in for Greeny. There was also some baseball action over the course of the weekend. Swinging the ground ball softly, deep and short and off the glove of Glaber Torres. My goodness, into left field. Scoping to score over to third goes Haas and down to second goes Victor Reyes. It has been a complete meltdown for the Yankees in all areas in this weekend series against the Tigers. Tigers have a 3 nothing lead. You don't see many big league teams play like the Yankees have played in this series. 97 won the ticket in Detroit on the call. Rough weekend for the Yankees. They got swept by the Tigers in Detroit for the first time in 21 years this MLB weekend recap. Brought to you by Credit Karma. Visit creditkarma.com slash win money to open your free account. Start winning instant karma. Credit Karma money. Progress starts here. There was also huge, huge action across the board in the NBA over the weekend. We'll get some expertise and analysis on it coming up next. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Michael Luke Jr., Jason Fitz, sitting in for Greeny. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Greeny, the podcast. Lakers fans are scared. 
Clippers fans are confident. Bucks fans are putting their feet up, just watching it all, laughing along the way. It was a crazy weekend in the NBA. Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, the ESPN app, and your smart speakers. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Mike Golick Jr., Jason Fitz, sitting in for Mike Greenberg today. All of our guests appear on the Goodyear hotline. And sometimes you have guests, Mike, that are just like naturally smarter than you are. That's usually for me. I mean, we all know that's the case here. Uh, but we're going to talk to one now. Andre Snellings, ESPN senior writer. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Professor DRZ. Uh, but here, here's the real question. Like, it's rare that I read somebody's Twitter bio, and I've always wanted to ask you this, Andre. Rare that I read somebody's Twitter bio, and I have to sound something out, and that's what I had to do. Because it said neural engineer slash electrophysiologist, but it took me a while to really get through electrophysiologist. So, like, what does an ele- what, what's an electrophysiologist? Because I don't even know. <laughs> what up, fellas? So, um, electrophysiology is... Uh, studying the brain using electrodes. So um, that could be the example I always use for sports is Parkinson's disease. You know, Muhammad Ali had Parkinson's disease. So um, there's a treatment for Parkinson's disease where an electrode is put into the basal ganglia and turned on like a pacemaker. And a lot of the symptoms can be controlled while that pacemaker is on. So that's what my PhD dissertation was on, was on standing in there with the, the surgeon and helping him to find the right spot to put that pacemaker. But the joy on my face right now is real because, like, you, you're, you're just flippantly using words. And I literally was like a child saying electrophysiology. <laughs> I got it. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, we're, you know, as smart as the conversation could be, we're just going to start at the lowest common denominator, which was what happened this weekend in the NBA. So, uh, obviously, a lot of concern at this point for Lakers fans. But let's go to the other side. Like, Clippers fans got to feel good after coming off of a couple of games where everybody thought they were dead in the water against the Mavs. Now, Luka may or may not be healthy. Like, how was that series turned in your mind? Yeah, I mean, the the, the injury to Luka Doncic can't really be overstated because he's the entirety of what the Mavericks are trying to do on offense, right? The whole team is built around him. And, and you could see in that third game because remember Dallas came out dominating that game right the first half they, they went up by 15 and they were killing it and then around halftime in the third quarter you looked and Luca had that shoulder harness get up on like Chris Paul's been wearing and it was kind of like well, well what happened and, and, and then after that they went downhill so I think that has to be considered a turning point as someone who prognosticates you know predicts the playoffs um, I can say that my Twitter account was in shambles going into the weekend because Mavericks fans, because I picked the Clippers to win this series, and Mavericks fans were already warming up. You know, they were up 2 nothing. I was getting all <laughs> types of uh, uh, you-don't-know-much-about-basketball uh, tweets. And I will say those tweets have stopped. So, you know, I, I'm not pulling for either team in this series, but what, what's happening has uh, lightened up my Twitter load. Well, I mean, speaking of the prognosticating, so we got to talk to you last week on Chenangle Jr. on ESPN Radio, and we talked about how bullish you were on the Lakers. We know they suffered a setback this weekend. So how concerned are you about the future in the immediacy and long-term in this playoff run now that we've got another Anthony Davis groin situation? That was always the hardest series to pick in these playoffs, right? Because, you know, um, when, when I spoke with you, I had just put an article out about how the Lakers were looking like they looked last season. Um, but we all knew coming into the playoffs that it was going to be about health. You know, how healthy were LeBron and AD coming into the series? And then, of course, Chris Paul started dealing with his shoulder, and that changes Phoenix's outlook. Like, Phoenix is not a, a, a normal first-round opponent for the Lakers, right? Like, I talked about how the Lakers looked like they looked last season. Well, if you go through last season's playoffs, 
they didn't play a single team that was as good as Phoenix was this regular season, right? Like, you know, Phoenix's win percentage, their scoring margin is better than anybody that the Lakers faced in the playoffs last year. So the Lakers could look like themselves and still have to struggle against the Suns team that is just really good. Like, I, I picked the Lakers in seven coming into this series, but on, on my best bets articles where I, I predicted the series, I predicted the Suns plus one and a half games. It was almost like hedging my bets because I just didn't know who was going to be healthy you know um so yes if anthony davis is not able to play moving forward then yeah the suns are most likely going to win if chris paul is not able to win to play moving forward then the lakers will probably win even without anthony davis you know it's, it's not even about the basketball it's about availability we're talking to espn senior writer andre snellings on greeny on espn radio mike golick jr jason fitz sitting in for greeny so let's go to the other conference uh, that hasn't gotten as much shine uh, obviously Milwaukee goes in and just takes care of business against Miami, but at the same time, Brooklyn is just dusting uh, Boston. So have you seen anything from either of those series that gives you an indication of how you feel about the next series if and when they play? I have been on record this entire season, from before the season started. Um, I don't know if you know this, quick aside, really quick aside. Um, after last season, I said that, that you know ESPN NBA has these articles on what trades would we like to see made. A few years ago, I said, I think that the Raptors should trade De- uh, DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard, and that offseason they did, they won the championship. This offseason, I said the Bucks should trade for Drew Holiday. That, that was my trade. They did it. As soon as they did it, I said Bucks are winning the championship this year. And I haven't strayed from that. I think that the Nets are a juggernaut offensively, but when it comes to the playoffs, the Bucks just are too big. I think the Bucks, the 76ers, and the Lakers, when healthy, are all bullies in the middle in a way that is not good for this Nets team. They've got all the shooting in the world, but it's just something about if you've got a, a, a team that's kind of a, a little bit of a donut, they just don't have the, the, the horses to run with the big dogs. So I think that all things being equal, Milwaukee is going to take this series, and they're still going to be standing at the end. So you mentioned those power players, especially in the Eastern Conference, but Milwaukee leading the charge there, and your ability to actively prognosticate and help these teams out going in the future. So if I gave you the controls for the Atlanta Hawks and what we've seen from them so far against the Knicks, uh, Trey Young looking like a star, what does that team need to do to go from being a good entertaining team in the East to a team that can contend in the near future? Ice Trey. So the, the Hawks are another fan base that, that you know, if, if you don't support their team, they, they'll, they'll, give you, they'll give you heck. And, you know, I, I spent my formative years in, in Atlanta. You know, I went to, to college at Georgia Tech. So, you know, I've, I've been paying attention to the Hawks. I think that they are a, a, a slightly more advanced version of what Memphis is in the West. And, and that's a team, really, I think people haven't been paying attention. They could make noise this year. Like, they have a team that – Philadelphia better be careful because, uh, you know, Atlanta's going to bring it to them. Um, they, they've got talent at every position. They've got strong depth. Um, and they've got a, a leader in Trey Young who looks like he's going to be an MVP candidate within the next few years. You know, that Luka Doncic for, for Trey Young trade is crazy because both of those guys are playing at the top of the game. Um, every team could get better. I think that, you know, you, you've seen with um, – 
with, you know, with, with their perimeter players, they're able to knock down threes. It would be nice if one of them could either become a bit more of an on-ball threat or else if they could bring in a, a number two besides Trey that could create offense for himself as well as the team. But outside of that, they, they have everything they need to, to, to compete. And with Capella playing the way he is in the middle, they, they've got some weight in the middle as well to uh, you know, give, give even Joel Embiid a little bit of caution coming into this next round. So right now, we've only seen a little bit. We haven't even finished the first round. Who's the best team in each conference today? The best team in the East, I'm still going with Milwaukee. The best team in the West, if Anthony Davis is healthy, it's the Lakers and everybody else. If Anthony Davis is not healthy, I think it's like a five-way free-for-all. And I'll I'll tell you, my dark horse pick in the West, they're my dark horse coming in. They're making me nervous because they're battling with Denver. But I think the Portland Trailblazers, if the Lakers are not their best, the Trailblazers could end up being the team still standing out of the West. You guys can follow on Twitter at Professor TRZ. Andre Snellings, man, I I just one of these days we're going to have a whole conversation about like all of the neuro stuff that I don't really understand just because you make me feel smarter when we hang out. That's all that's all I've asked for. We appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh, Mike, those are the moments that I'm reminded just how dumb I am and how smart other people are at this. It's anytime someone busts out the word ganglia in conversation. I feel like no matter what precedes it, I know immediately we've taken a turn into the textbook that I clearly like missed out on or sold at the beginning of the semester that had ganglia involved. And you went to Notre Dame too. Like I'll give you a little bit of credit. I spent a lot of time not giving you credit, right? Like give me credit. You went to a difficult school to get into. Like you, you would have some basis of, of like you had a better shot of being smart than I ever did. And you know, I just, I talked to, I talked to Dre and I'm like, no, I got, I got nothing. Mike Golick Jr. Jason Fitz, by the way, we're in for Greeny uh, today. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests have appeared on the Goodyear hotline. It's baseball season, and you're ready to go all out. So you ordered the essentials to make game day a success, like a jersey, a power recliner, and a bigger screen. And you used your Bank of America customized cash rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping rewards that put you towards an essential piece of the celebration, an air horn. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Copyright 2021, Bank of America Corporation. So, uh, Mike, it, I asked Dre the, the question at the end about the who the best team in each conference is because I think the West is right now just absolutely wild. I, I know that we can look at it and say, hey, if Anthony Davis is healthy and if LeBron's healthy and everybody clicks there, the Lakers should clearly be the best team in that conference. That's what we've been saying since before the season started. But that if is a lot more touchy now than it ever was before. And we've had moments where the Clippers look great and moments where the Clippers frankly don't. And Luka might be dinged up. And I'm looking across the board saying, I don't know if there's much that we can predict about the West moving forward. No, there's not. I I think I'll be interested to see when we start talking seriously about Utah, like what they're going to have to do in order for us to actually look at them and say, okay, the team that got Donovan Mitchell back healthy and since then has looked like an entirely different outfit against this Memphis Grizzlies team that we know, young, exciting, John Morant. I was super happy they snuck into the playoffs and beat Golden State so we could get a little added time under task with another one of the NBA's young stars. But when you look at Utah, like, all right, they've got Rudy Gobert, who's a multi-time defensive player of the year in the NBA. I I think if you're a New York Knicks fan salivating about the potential disgruntled star of your future, Donovan Mitchell seems like a guy that would just fit the mentality that he brings to the court. We know he was itching to get back, and when he got back, 
Jason, he completely, especially on offense, changed the dynamic of this team, who has been one of the best teams this season as far as made threes in the NBA. And as we go further along in this, we know that is the currency of the modern league right now. So they can defend and get to the rim, and they can also hit from outside. I'm just wondering what they're going to have to do because we know, kind of like Denver, they're a team that's got to overcome a lot of our pre- you know, preconceived notions about what they can actually accomplish based on those markets and the way we generally look at them. It, it, I can't decide if it's the best thing or worst thing that we see Donovan Mitchell playing with. It. God, you know, put him on one of these other teams and think about, you know, if I'm a Utah fan, that that's one of the things that absolutely is, is maddening to me about the NBA in general, that you're looking at somebody like Donovan Mitchell and saying, oh, but what if he was somewhere else? But frankly, those are the same conversations that I feel like have been happening for several years in Portland, but they've managed to create some sort of an environment uh, for Dame that, that he feels good in, right? So you can look at Portland and say, hey, they figured out a way in, in a market that isn't New York, that isn't L.A., to keep everybody there satisfied for now and keep everybody there happy. The one thing I will say that we're getting out of these playoffs is unpredictability. And one of the failings to me of the NBA for the last several years has been not only predictability, but how much time we've spent talking about the upcoming offseason instead of the actual product on the floor in the moment because it always feels like, hey, don't worry, guys. It's going to get really wild once this person goes to that team and we'll have more of this. Like It feels like those are the general conversations. For the first time in a long time, there is so much that's uncertain about this playoff that I feel like we are more honed in right now on the unpredictability of today's NBA, which is a different and much better conversation to me. Yeah, the problem for me with that is I look at what it took to get us here, and the number one factor going away in what you just described has been injury, and injury to star players. And I don't think that is a sustainable business model for the league. It has been, all right, who's healthy in this game? And as you talked about, you and I spend a lot of time covering football, covering the NCAA, covering the NFL. And we know that sport, as violent as it is, attrition is almost the number one factor in who's going to be around in the postseason. But with the NBA, your cell was supposed to be year over year. It's a lot easier to have healthy, compelling stars on the court. And so now that we're looking up and we spend all year wondering, all right, Who's going to be out there for the Nets' big three when that team comes up? Boston ravaged by injury. The Miami Heat, one of the last two teams from the bubble, dealt with it all year. And now we're seeing it affect Phoenix and the Lakers. We're seeing it affect now the Dallas Mavericks in this series. And so I just wonder if that's going to be the difficult thing to reconcile because it's been the most essential to what you just described, but I think it's actually the worst thing long-term for this league that's so built on star performance. But I'll I'll counter that. He's Michael Jr. I'm Jason Fitz. We're sitting in on Greeny. Uh, with some mindset around the opportunity that has been taken by the people, the other people given uh, the chance. Like, think about the perspective there is right now, the platform there is, I should say, for Ja Morant. Like, you mentioned it earlier. Like, you got guys like Ja that are coming up and getting more shine. Like, how many people necessarily wouldn't be paying attention to Phoenix, but now they're watching how good Booker and Aiton have been, right? Like, so there are young star. Luca's star has impossibly risen. I didn't know it could get any brighter, but it has gotten brighter throughout the course of this playoff. So uh, to me, while you're right, injury has you know created a little bit of the void. That void is being filled by yet another conversation that I feel like we've had every two years of, oh, well, look at the NBA talent under the age of 25. I mean, right now you've got kids like, like Ja that are just at 21, and does, is their development still to happen for his game? Yeah, but he's 21. Like, it's going to happen. So I, what I'm seeing to the point you're making to injury is it leaves the door cracked open, and it's actually creating stars. So whereas in the NFL, we're getting you know a quarterback 
fact that nobody really wants to watch because injury forced them in the game and they're not even going to be in the league in a year. Here we're getting stars. It's a fair point, Jason, and you're right. I, I made that conversation when John Morant and the Grizzlies beat Golden State, which is, all right, with this year's iteration of Golden State, do you want a group that's going to maybe give you some exciting games, or do you want to get that opportunity? Because we all know when we say building stars, it's building postseason moments that people can bank for later on, right? Like our whole notion of, especially as a public, like it's one thing if we're our basketball experts breaking down the X's and O's. I mean, I sit with Chinea Gwumake every day, and I trust her basketball expertise. But the way that we perceive this as a general public watching is, all right, who has built up enough trust for me over the course of a postseason career for me to bet on in these spots? It's why people were so shocked at what's gone on with the Boston Celtics during the course of this season. And it's what I think we're learning right now about a team like the New York Knicks. And so now that you're banking these moments for Trey Young and John Morant and Donovan Mitchell, hell, we did it in the bubble last year. I mean, those battles between Denver and Utah in there, or Denver and uh, Phoenix, I forget who it was, but I mean, we saw Jamal Murray, we saw Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker kind of take that step last year in the bubble. Them doing it in the light of the day now is certainly invaluable to the league. There's no doubt. You guys need to tune into Memorial Day Baseball action. The Astros host the Red Sox. Coverage begins today at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And of course, always on ESPN. That's not the only thing that they should tune into. Mike, today you've got some uh, fun lacrosse action happen, right? Man, very exciting. 1 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2. Virginia and Maryland going to play for the Division I men's crown. We already saw D2 and D3 games go off. We saw the Boston College women's team, led by Charlotte North, pull off the uh, national championship after a few years of knocking on the door for that program. So really excited for these ones. I mean, for people familiar with college lacrosse, Lars Tiffany and John Tillman, the head coaches of Virginia and Maryland, respectively, are familiar names. But I always say, Jason, this weekend, if you've never checked out college lacrosse, it's such a great window into what this sport's about. It has something for everybody. The physicality of hockey and football, the constant motion of soccer and some of these other sports here. And I, I just think it's a really creative, fun sport. And you're going to see two of the best teams in the country, no doubt. I mean, Jared Bernhardt from Maryland, their senior attackman, probably going to win the Tawaraton, the college lacrosse version of the Heisman Trophy this year. He's been the best player, an unbelievable athlete. Almost actually this season was contemplating playing college football in the the fall he is that level of an athlete so this is what you're going to get to see today it's going to be incredible and uh, I'm fortunate enough to get over there and uh, help coverage of our halftime report during this game so really looking forward to that as a guy who used to spend a lot of time at these weekends as a kid fear the turtle that's all I have to add to that be sure to check Mike out on that Uh, in the meantime more ESPN radio coming up next thanks for hanging out with us Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.